Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story. Sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Uh, welcome to the eighth meeting of the Club Soda Club. Uh, I'm going to take roll call. I'm Derek Bolin. I am present. Scott Graham. I am present. Uh, Jessica Couture. Jess. Jess. Uh, Jess will not be joining us this evening. Unfortunately, she has some uh, big fancy work project that she had to do. And interestingly enough, we are talking about work and work. drinking. And drinking at work, uh, which I'm going to trust that Jessica is not doing tonight. But uh, yeah, feels like kind of a, a timely episode because we do have this uh, rise in sober culture and a lot of sober people. In fact, one of my friends who was recently sober uh, told me the thing she was most worried about wasn't going out with friends anymore. It was trying to navigate uh, the workplace as a sober person uh, because for a very long time, probably my entire lifetime and definitely uh, the lifetime of my parents before me, uh, drinking has been predominantly kind of viewed as, as the main way to uh, either decompress or socialize after work or attend work functions. Um, disclaimer, I work in tech where alcohol is everywhere all the time. Uh, a lot of tech companies have like kegs and like beer and wine on tap in the office. My employer definitely does. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, um, presented as this benefit, like come work in our cool tech office. Cause we have all the alcohol you could ever want. Uh, Scott, I know you come from an industry where drinking is, uh, pretty well established as well, but for different reasons. Yeah, I work in a trade and, uh, well, it's not the same, uh, as working in the tech sector or something similar, there is uh, definitely, you know, the beers after work culture. There's the beers as a currency culture, too. Like, uh, you know, if you need the electrician to do something and you work for another trade, they'll probably if it's not within their scope, they'll probably do it for a case of beer. You know, that old uh, that old trick. So, yeah, it, it's definitely prevalent. Side note on that, the thing that has impacted me most uh, probably in sobriety uh, is when whenever I used to help friends move before, this is like where I noticed it most of all, like the, the currency for helping somebody move was always, oh, I will buy a case of beer and we will drink the beers while you lift my furniture and help me carry my furniture from my old place into my new place. And now people are just like totally confused and they'll offer, you know, like soda water or something, but that's not really, that's not a motivator for me. People have to really start thinking about what they're going to offer me uh, to get me to help them carry their shit. Yeah. Also too, like having some drinks before you drive a U-Haul full of furniture seems really dumb. Nothing safer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing safer. Um, so a little bit about my history uh, around workplace drinking uh, I have almost been fired from two jobs because of my drinking. Um, not because of the drinking specifically, but because of my behavior when I was drinking, um, to the point where, uh, one of my employers had to call in an outside investigator to see if I had, uh, officially violated any company policies while I had been drunk. I want to be very clear. This is not around like sexual harassment or anything of that nature, but it was definitely not uh, behavior that was, uh, really like proper or, uh, condoned in the workplace. Um, so after that, me retaining my employment at that employer was contingent on me getting an official diagnosis of alcoholism from my doctor and and being uh, flat out prohibited from drinking at any work or work related functions. Uh, and yet, despite that, it wasn't that wasn't the wake up call uh, that I needed to quit drinking. Um and yeah, so I think that right there is just kind of a cautionary tale of how like 
you know, I, I'm sure everyone has a story about some uh, behavior that they have witnessed at a uh, at a work related function, whether officially sanctioned or not, where uh, people have come down on the wrong side of acceptable because of the alcohol they were consuming. Um, but in a large uh, number of these cases, that alcohol is frequently provided by the employer themselves. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, prior to being a tradesperson, I was, uh, in management with various big box retailers. I sort of did the, uh, did the circuit and depending on who I was working for at the time, uh, the Christmas parties were always fairly epic except for one big home improvement retailer that I worked for. There was no drinking at their Christmas parties at the time because there had been some pretty major in incidents in the States. Uh, so they actually banned drinking at all of their Christmas parties. But the other places I worked, there was definitely free alcohol. Uh, I think one Christmas party, we did uh, uh, the booze cruise out on a, out on a boat. Uh, and then ended up at oh, yeah. uh, the, ended up at the Drake somehow with all the salesmen afterwards, which you know <laughs> maybe not maybe not the best idea, but uh, and that was back while kids gather around. That was back when the Drake used to be somewhere you you didn't want to spend a lot of time. <laughs> Is it more more upscale now? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a jazz club now. So <laughs> apparently, <laughs> so I've been told. I haven't been to the Drake in a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, drinking and drinking culture, especially in sales and tech is like, it's pretty rampant to the point where everybody's got a story to tell either about themselves or about someone that they were at a work function with that just remember that time. So-and-so at that party, like everybody's got a story like that. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. Take it as a person who has been that person. Uh, I was literally suspended from work for two weeks while they investigated my behavior. Uh, and having to go back into that office afterwards and, you know, try and look people in the eye and act like I was just going to carry on. Uh, not like nothing had happened, obviously, because everyone in the office knew. But uh, that was one of the most... Uh, probably humiliating things I've ever humiliating and humbling for sure experiences I've ever had. Um, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, uh, particularly people who maybe don't have the best control over, uh, their relationship with alcohol or how they consume alcohol have, have to endure that. Whether it's you get drunk with your coworkers and you overshare and you share something you're not totally comfortable sharing with them, uh, or you engage in shitty behavior or, uh, you witness shitty behavior and you have to try and maintain working relationships with these people afterwards, uh, work drinking in, in, or around the workplace. It can, can, well, I'm just going to say it, it probably is a, a very toxic thing. Like I cannot think of, um, any, real tangible benefits that come from it. And yet it's, it's this completely widespread, socially acceptable thing, uh, at least until things go south. I think up to a certain point, it's actually encouraged too. like, there's a, there's a, a culture around it. And I think, um, that culture is sort of male dominated. I hate to say it fellas, but, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, it's a madman type, dream scenario that a lot of people have and that just doesn't exist anymore and you just end up getting yourself into a whole lot of trouble did yeah definitely Mad died. interestingly enough um i did yes so yeah. and yeah there was that whole what that was at advertising and it was uh they were drinking in like on on the oh, job yeah. there yeah yeah. <laughs> was, yeah yeah that was an acceptable thing um yeah. That, that part is not acceptable, though I will say that that in the early days at a uh, startup I worked at, uh, it was fully encouraged. Like people would come in on they'd at least usually have the good sense to wait until Friday. But Friday, everyone would be putting and this was every Friday. Uh, everyone would be putting Bailey's in their coffee. Uh, people would be getting shitty at lunch on, on a Friday. And then the rest of the day was just kind of uh, a write off. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I still see it like in, I work in a lot of pretty high end office buildings and I still see the, uh, the big Friday beer deliveries coming in for, uh, whoever, like whoever the, the tenants are, but it's still definitely like a, like a big thing, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Like I don't understand how as an employer, like I understand that, you want to keep your employees happy. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. And some of them maybe aren't as uh, altruistic as people think that they are, but um, yeah, providing like unlimited free alcohol one day a week just seems pretty counterproductive to getting anything done. You know? Well, yeah. And you have to think like uh, if, if there's keeping your employees happy, which is fine, but I cannot think of another substance that employers would feel okay offering to their employees. Like you wouldn't find an employer maybe, maybe in, uh, you know, in like, uh, the, the finance sector outside of that, they wouldn't offer you cocaine to come in and, and do your job. Um, that, that wouldn't be a thing that, that they dangled in front as a, as an employee culture thing, uh, to try and keep the staff happy. And, uh, honestly, if your staff needs to drink to be happy at the job you're offering them, probably not that good a fucking job to yeah. have. You got to wonder too, like with, with, uh, with weed being legal now, is that a thing anywhere other than like, if you work for a weed company, is there like, that's a great question. Get baked Thursdays or something. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that's out there. That seems crazy, but uh, you never know. I know. I know it's, it's been, um, it's because it's been legal in Colorado for quite a while. Yeah. A few um, years, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm just checking here to see if, if, uh, if this is the thing that actually happens, but I, yeah, I don't know if they're, they're offering, uh, you know, unlimited, uh, doobies. Wait, can you, do people still call it that? Can I say doobies without sounding like a, like, like a boomer, the dubes well, listen, smoking the I marijuana. Think, yeah. Marijuana cigarettes, I think is what they call them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the kids say. <laughs> Those kids. Those kids and their marijuana cigarettes. Um, so I guess the flip side. So uh, employers are offering uh, alcohol as a workplace benefit, but it's also um, they're they're hosting these events, both formal and informal, again, where uh, drinking is is kind of encouraged. And and I've seen I know since sobering up, I uh, luckily I work at a pretty progressive employer that uh, started off as um, they were de- like in the early days of the company, drinking factored pretty heavily into uh, the corporate culture. And now that we're more established, um, it's definitely, they've started to walk that back a little bit. We do have the beer on tap. We do have the wine on tap, but, um, they are big proponents of drinking responsibly. You don't see people drinking at lunch hour. You don't see people, uh, getting, you know, shitty in the workplace. And then if they do host, um, host events, uh, those, those are much less drinking focused than they used to be. Um, but there's also this kind of, uh, it almost feels like a social cost to sobriety, um, particularly in the workplace, because, uh, in a lot of situations, that's, that's how relationships are formed with, with coworkers or with management. Uh, you all go out, you have a few drinks, you loosen up, you, you form bonds with each other. Uh, you know, it's, it's a place where, promotions can be given it's a place like i don't think anyone's getting promoted while they're shitty drunk but oh, yeah uh, yes they are of, yes they are oh percent. Oh, absolutely yeah i can vouch for it almost personally <laughs> from back back in, in my uh back in my management days there's definitely been you know your buddy that you go out with all the time who you're either his uh direct supervisor or they're your direct supervisor and you become good drinking buddies. And then all of a sudden you're promoted. You know what I mean? It happens all the time. It's crazy actually. Yeah. So it, it can definitely, uh, for people who are sober, that, that can feel like a really limiting experience because you don't get, you could still go out with, with your boss or with people on the team. Um, but you cannot get, um, you know, 
get wasted to the point where you're having the like if I'm sober and I'm going to a work event and people are getting drunk, I'm usually irritated enough by like an hour, hour and a half in that I'll just check out and everyone will keep partying the rest of the night. Um, that's, that's my, I'm sure if, if I had the longevity I could put into actually staying there, trying to hold uh, a semi coherent conversation with people, but it does get harder as the night wears on. Um, I definitely I don't feel like it's been a limiting factor in my career at this point, but I can definitely see how some people might feel that way. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure to some people it maybe does actually hamper their uh, their career. But if that's what's holding you back, then I don't know, maybe that's maybe that wasn't for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it could be for sure. Yeah. Um so some some stats here due to the, the five minutes of research I did before we started recording hit me, this episode. Hit me, hit me with the uh, stats. Uh, in, I want them all. In, industries with the higher, highest incidence of problematic drinking are the legal sector, uh, accounting. The legal sector. The tech sector. The legal sector. Yeah. That which is, is so insane. I actually – I work for a company that services the legal industry. So we make software for law firm and lawyers. And as a byproduct of that, I've been exposed to a lot of literature about how uh, the legal industry. Uh, also, I think this is true for accounting and um, uh, medical professionals as well. But they are uh, definitely uh, they have higher rates much higher rates of uh, substance misuse and abuse, uh, higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide. And these are all kind of a byproduct of working in these high pressure jobs where you're, you're pouring, you know, 60, 70 hours of, of your life every week into a job. And when it comes time to decompress, it's that whole, and this is something we see crop up in the tech industry too, uh, the whole work hard, play hard culture, which is like, which a lot of people have interpreted as a work fucking hard. And then to me, play hard means get absolutely shit face wasted uh, every time I have a down moment. Yeah. 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 I think there's some of that in, uh, in trades as well, but I'll tell you the, the difference between my social life uh, working in like a management job and my social life working in a trade, it was pretty much exactly the same. So uh, I, uh, it's funny. I thought it would be different in a trade. I thought it would be, I don't know what I thought it would be. It's been like 11 years or something now, but I figured that there would be more drinking, but it's really about the same. And that made me realize just how much drinking was going on. Like in my quote unquote, like non blue collar job beforehand, it's pretty shocking, actually, when were I think you, back on it. And you were working in uh, retail. Is that is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I got into the whole desk job thing, I was uh, working in service industry, so restaurants, bars, yeah. and restaurants. Oh, and yeah, you can yeah. only imagine. Yeah. You know, you're working until one one two a.m. Uh, and then end of the night. Uh, the the place closes down and all the staff hangs out and drinks for free until four or five a.m. Uh, and then you wake up shitty hungover the next day and do it all again. But yeah, um, there's also yeah, there's also the places there's also the places where everybody goes. Like if your if your restaurant or bar or whatever closes and like that's not the place where everybody hangs out, there's always like an industry place that'll do like late night eats for the restaurant industry and, and yeah. Eats, in, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there. In in Whistler, I know that's a huge thing. The uh, the after work. There's a couple of spots that you know, if you know where they are and you know people in the industry, you can basically go 24 seven in Whistler. Like it's pretty insane. But uh, you just you, you look at those people and you think, man, you're like in your 30s. <laughs> you're not going to be doing this for much longer. Yeah, it's at some point, like your your body's just going to give out on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, what has your experience been like uh, contrasting how? Because you said you've been doing the the job you're in now for eleven years. Yeah, yeah. 
so when it comes to uh, your uh, upwards mobility in, in the position you have, um, and how you kind of relate to your coworkers has that shifted a, a tremendous amount since since you sobered up? No, no, it's 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 pretty much the same. I feel like I'm a better employee and that I'm more present. I, I mean, I haven't been hungover for three and a half years, which is pretty uh, good in terms of productivity, if you know what I mean. But yeah, uh, <laughs> the uh, the funny part is, is the you know most of the guys that I work with. Um, you know, they sort of stopped inviting me to stuff, uh, when they found out I didn't drink, but then after a while they realized I was just the exact same guy and they started inviting me again. And I just kept saying no, like I did originally, but at least they invited me again. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to be invited. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but there's also, there's this weird thing about, um, about sobriety and people that have known you for a long time where the, the question always arises, well, like, what did you do? What, you know, what did you do wrong? What made you quit drinking? Uh, and I've had that question a lot. And in some cases it's true, you know, like you've made some huge mistake and, uh, you see your only way out of it is sobriety. But in some cases people just, you know, they don't want to drink anymore. They see the negative impacts it's having on their life and maybe they haven't made that big mistake yet. Um, but you do get those questions from, from your coworkers. I don't know if you've experienced that too. Maybe, uh, I don't know if, if it was more apparent to the people you were working with because of those work situations. Um, but it, I can say it wasn't for the people that I work with because we never really drank together a bunch. Yeah. I mean, I, I have faced those questions with, with a certain circle of people. I've been pretty forthcoming about the the big reason I stopped drinking. And I'm sure I'll share that on this podcast at some point. Um, but my retort to people when they ask that is, is usually like, okay, you can have like one big awful thing that happened that pushed you into stopping drinking. Or you just look at like a lifetime of the small shitty decisions, like, like look back at if if someone asked you that you say look back at your entire lifetime of drinking and would you say that's a net positive thing or a net negative thing yeah exactly uh, and if people really like i think any person uh who who gets drunk on a on a frequent or semi frequent basis i think they're going to have more shitty stories than good ones or shitty effects than good ones if they really stop and think about it yeah i totally agree with that and i always there's this equation in my head that even, even if you don't have more shitty experiences than good experiences, like the, the really fun times you have when you're shit faced with your friends and then the absolute garbage bag you are the next day, that's like a, like a net neutral. Right. But imagine if you could have just like fun with your friends and not be shit faced and wake up the next morning feeling just fine that is a net positive. It may not be as high of a high, but it's certainly not as low of a low. And like, it took me a while to appreciate how great that is, but it's great. It's fantastic. It's always like, you're it always ahead of the game, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to, you, you still have a good time. You can remember everything. And like, honestly, uh, <laughs> since I've sobered up and I've spent time hanging out with drunk people, I like, I'll hang out with them. And even if I'm there until the end of the night, at, at the end of the night, I'll be like, well, that was okay. But like, how fun would I have thought that was if I was as shit faced as everyone else? And how am I misremembering all the like really great times I had when I was drunk with my friends? And they were just like average times. We were all stupid wasted and thought everything was hilarious. Yeah, it's very true. Although I am um, very funny. So when I'm there, it's hilarious regardless. Well, that's, that's true, yeah. but you're a funny guy when you're sober yeah. too. So I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't yeah. see it being any less funny. <laughs> um, yeah. My, my girlfriend, Kate likes to talk about how just like really fucking boring it is hanging out with drunk people now. Cause all they want to do is get drunk and they all think that everything happening is the funniest thing in the world. And as a oh. sober person, you're just like, Oh, like, that's what? so true, man. <laughs> there's a, there's a select you. Yeah, there's a select few people that I know in my real life that I know that I can go out with when they're drinking that I know I'm going to have a good time. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of them, sorry if anybody's listening, but you guys aren't as charismatic as you think when you've had a few. God damn it, let me tell you. 
<laughs> you, you guys, if you're listening to this, uh, Scott meant you were in the former. You were the good people who drank and not oh. the bad people. Oh, uh, just because we don't want to lose podcast listeners. Yes, yes, right, Scott. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, another another thing that um, uh, that I've noticed because I do travel a lot for work. Kate uh, has taken on a new job where she travels exclusively for work, um, and that's that's a big part of the corporate culture when when you're a, uh, a a road warrior as well, right? Like you go out, you travel, you take clients out for dinner. That's how you bond with your teammates. It's it's the same thing. Um, I think with the greater expectation, because you're traveling, you're sleeping out of hotels, you don't know all the like, you don't know other shit to do in every city you visit. Um, So I think the expectation, you'll see this go to any hotel bar uh, in any city on the fucking planet. And you can, you know, find uh, some shithouse wasted salesperson uh, or, or traveling worker. Uh, getting drunk at a bar at, either by themselves or with random strangers or other traveling coworkers. And that was definitely, that was me when I was on the road. Uh, Scott, I, like we did do a separate travel episode, but traveling for work kind of compounds the need to drink to travel with the need to drink for work. Uh, and you're in a place where you don't have any friends. If you want to make friends, you're going to need that social lubricant. So you just go out and get drunk uh, by yourself or with random strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the two of the saddest places in the world are uh, hotel bars and airport bars. Oh yeah. Airport yeah. bars is a good one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's usually like you said, the road warriors is in both of those places that are either leaving from a trip, like coming home and they're having drinks before they come home or they're at the hotel with a client or with whoever just getting shit faced. And they're going to be an absolute mess the next day when they go see their client. And, and, uh, yeah, it's just sales is a weird gig too. It's, it's very similar to, I think the tech sector, but it's, such a solo endeavor that it almost breeds a problem on its own. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like I think a a large, uh, I I would venture to say that a large reason, um, drinking and problematic drinking, uh, has swelled so much recently is because people are using it, to counteract social isolation. Um, and, th- and that can be in, in many forms, whether you're socially isolated because you just sit at home on the internet by yourself, or you're socially isolated because uh, you have social anxiety and you don't feel confident going out and talking to new people, uh, or you feel socially isolated because you spend your entire life on the road surrounded by people who you don't actually know. Uh, for a lot of people, the, the first and last and only solution to counteract that is to get drunk, loosen up, start talking to strangers and, and actually like yourself enough to do that. Um, and so as a result, we, we do have, uh, a ton of, of problematic drinking on the rise, uh, because people don't really know how to connect with other people in, in a meaningful or even meaningless way. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. I think that, just being comfortable with who you are. And I think we, we talk about that in pretty much every episode, probably every episode. This is now a yeah. podcast about loving yourself. This is that's uh, that's a uh, uh, club soda club bingo. Like you get a square <laughs> when uh, we talk about being comfortable with yourself. Um, yeah. It it's, should just be three square. It should just be one big square. <laughs> you get bingo every time we say it. Um, yeah, it, it's so true though. Like you, you, being comfortable with yourself is hard and man, like I get that and I feel it still, but, uh, being sober and confronting that has probably been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to do if, if I wasn't sober, uh, I'm, do you, do you ever think about like, well, what if I never got sober? What would my life be like right now? Is that, do you ever think about oh, that? Yeah. All the time. yeah. So very, very frequently. Yeah. 
I always, I always think about like all this extra shit that I do, like whether it's with my family or with travel or with photography or doing YouTube or whatever, like I have all this creative energy and time and I just give a shit about so much more stuff. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I am okay with who I am and I'm okay with being myself around anybody doing anything. And that's hard. Like it's super hard to get there, but once you're there, it's like, it's, it's the best. It's like the best thing. Yeah. And you raise a really good point because, uh, when, when I was drinking, I specifically drank because I didn't like myself very much and because I wasn't very comfortable with myself. Um, so so when you feel that way and you're drinking, you're not, you're not solving the problem. Yeah. You're just kind of like drowning in alcohol for a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Um, so I think about the progress I've made in liking myself since I sobered up. You, you ask what life would be like for me if I just kept drinking yeah. and I would have made zero progress in, in how I felt about myself. I wouldn't like myself anymore. I wouldn't be more comfortable with myself. I would just continue, uh, continue drinking to kind of mask those problems I had rather than ever confronting them full on. And that's not to say that you can't make that progress or, or commit to uh, learning to love yourself or like yourself or improve yourself if you drink alcohol. But I don't think a lot of people do that to them. The solution isn't fix the way I feel about myself. It's just drink alcohol until I don't feel anything about myself anymore. And I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. 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 And I think that maybe for you as well, but for me, I can directly tie that into my um, ability to grow in my occupation, like my ability to um, advance and learn new things and, and take on more responsibility. It's definitely increased uh, since uh, becoming sober. And, uh, kind of, it, it, it's funny because we, we spent the whole first part of this podcast talking about how people who drink, you know, you go for beers or whatever, and some of those people, uh, get ahead, but I find in the long run, those people don't last. And, and the people that actually have the substance and do the work, um, and to make lasting gains in their career where, I feel like that's where I'm at right now. And, uh, I wouldn't be where I am if I was still drinking. There's just, there's no way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because uh, like the perception, so there are a number of perceptions that people who drink have of sober people, uh, that they're wet blankets, that they're no fun, that they probably fucked up tremendously somewhere in their life or they're pregnant. I might be pregnant. Um, I I was pregnant. But there's also the flip side. (laughs) <laughs> i knew it thank you, uh, thank you. congratulations uh the flip side of that is that sober people are generally perceived as more reliable uh more responsible particularly in the workplace like i look at my career development since i sobered up um and this is at a workplace where people had witnessed really shitty behavior for me when i was drinking and uh you know Everyone forgave me. They were willing to give me a second chance. They did that. I sobered up. And my career growth since sobering up has been uh, tremendous compared to what it was before. So, you know, if if you are a sober person or a newly sober person and you're worried that people uh, who you work with might perceive you through this negative lens, there also is a positive one that uh, that is generally very true, is that sober people... Uh, just even based on the merits of being able to choose sobriety and stick to it, uh, you you are a more responsible and, and reliable person and you can actually see shit through, uh, which is what sober people are doing with the choice they've made every single day. Well said. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to drop some more stats here. Uh, actually, this is the only one I got. Uh, one in f- one in five high earners drink alcohol at least five days a week. Um, so 20 percent of uh, and I don't know what's classified as a high earner in the workplace, um, but uh, drink alcohol at least five days a week, uh, which is I mean, that's, that's a lot of good. days. That's most of them. 
I'm no mathematician yeah, here, and Colin, that's, but that's, that's uh, you know, a that, high percentage of days. <laughs> five out of seven is a, yeah, is yeah. a lot of days. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's just, again, that's, that's a byproduct of uh, the, the jobs that they're working, the stress that comes with that. Uh, and not having other ways to to really yeah. manage that stress beyond just blasting into cement with alcohol, which, um, you know, at least in my case, I, I like I can't. It's always a problem when I get on this podcast and I, I don't want to get too preachy and I don't want to say, uh, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but I'm going to say that adding uh, a substance abuse problem to your stress problem is not actually going to solve anything. Uh, and in most cases, it might actually. Yeah, make it worse. Um, I I'm sure we can make this a complete episode on its own. But uh, I liked your discussions today about uh, mommy wine culture. I think that's something we can probably dig into when Jess is back. Uh, even though none of us are mommies, uh, but we all know uh, that prevalent uh, culture of moms who drink wine because they fucking hate their kids. Like, I don't understand the actual subtleties around it, but <laughs> that's just what it looks like outwardly. <laughs> yeah, it, that is what it looks like. It's like, and it's the same, like, in a way, being a mom, it, oh, it is a sure. job. Yeah, like, it's a fucking beyond full time job. That you that's never get. You know, that's an excellent point. Like it's, I don't. You're probably right. It's no different than if some uh, executive or tradesperson or someone that works at Tim Hortons, like they have a stressful day, they have all this pressure. Uh, it's no different if you're a, a mom at home with your kids. Like in many ways, I think that it's actually more work, and um, there's like a almost an industry push by the alcohol industry to target that demographic, to, to make it like a thing where moms drink wine. That's what they do. That's how they cope. And right on, you guys are so cool for doing it. Thank you from sincerely from the alcohol industry, you know, like it seems like a, like a targeted thing and it's really kind of gross. I don't like it. It's super gross and we should absolutely dedicate, maybe it'll be our maybe. next episode to this, but uh, yeah, like imagine all the pressures that come from a traditional, you know, workplace where you spend eight hours only instead of eight hours, you're doing it 24 yeah, hours no days day, off and your job. Yeah. yeah your, your job will puke and shit on you and throw things at you and swear at you once your job yeah. becomes a teenager and probably crash your car. And like you were responsible for the emotional well being of your job um, and like you, you said, you, you nailed it. The alcohol industry noticed that, uh, moms again, like preying on their social isolation, moms don't have the sense of community or the family support that they used to have because people, uh, I, I feel like families are like more, uh, spread out now. A lot of people, uh, don't have that, that sense of community. So the alcohol industry saw that moms were easy targets. Moms have a lot of anxiety about whether they're, you know, uh, ruining their children forever or not. Uh, so alcohol positioned itself as the solution to those problems. And, and it was like, Hey, you, you need to, uh, you're a mom, you drink wine, you get blasted on wine at the end of every day because you have a kid and you deserve it. Uh, and it's this really like cynical, gross, uh, kind of marketing campaign that, uh, yeah, it's just awful. And, and we will definitely devote a yeah. full episode to that. So I can talk about how truly I am looking forward to offending a lot of people. I know completely unintentionally. <laughs> Me too. I'm looking forward to you doing it. I'm, I'm intentionally looking forward to you doing it unintentionally. That's going to be awesome. Um, so tips for people because we should have something uh you know positive come out of this uh tips for people who uh are sober in the workplace and maybe don't want to forego uh those social events and maybe tips for employers as well because um i know a lot of industries particularly tech right now and i'm gonna try and say this in a way uh as a white dude that is not offensive but if yeah, i have to say anything that, with that into it, it's probably dangerous territory there there is a big push in i know in the tech industry specifically right now um 
to reflect diversity with, within the walls of every company. Uh, and that diversity can be uh, gender, that diversity can be race, that diversity can be uh, p- religious belief, that diversity can be age. Um, but I feel that something that gets overlooked a lot is that a lot of these uh, companies and corporate cultures that have made diversity this core tenant have a tendency to overlook um cultural beliefs or, or things like sobriety. Um, and I don't know that that sober people are being well represented, uh, in the workplace by, by the leaders in those environments. Um, so I, I recommend, um, like I said, I, I know my employers is doing a great job of it. They're, they're starting to shy more away from, uh, the alcohol centric events and provide alternatives for people who don't drink in the office. Um, but that has been due to the, the very vocal efforts of, of people who work at the company. Um, so I think if, if you're a sober person in a company, uh, don't be shy about speaking up saying when you're not uncomfortable with things saying when you're, um, when you feel like there should be alternatives to drinking events, uh, yeah, my people might think you're a fucking square, but you're you're going to be happy and healthier because of it. Uh, and then to to people who lead those offices uh, or people who are in a position to influence any of that, make sure you're looking out for sober people. Uh, and whether they're like fully committed to being sober or not, maybe start providing healthier uh, workplace beverages and healthier workplace activities. Uh, for people, whether they drink yeah, or not. Those are all excellent suggestions. And um, I think that kind of on top of all that too, I, I feel like before I was sober at work, I thought it would be harder than it is. And it turns out, I don't know, I don't know. Everybody's pretty okay for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is usually pretty okay. There's always assholes um, at every There might be people who... <laughs> there are probably assholes regarding well, well, things yeah, more than just variety. Even, and that's just the way it is. But, you know. Yeah. And there's not even... You know, it's not limited to the workplace. If you are a person who are who is committing to a life of sobriety or a, uh, you know, a, a life with more mindful drinking or, or no drinking at all, there's you're going to encounter assholes yeah. everywhere you go. Um, I, I have, you know, I have assholes in my closest group of friends, uh, circle of friends that, that I've been friends with for, you know, 20, 25 years who, who just don't understand my decision to quit drinking. And they're always the guys who will be like, you know, go ahead have one drink. I won't tell anyone. Oh, that's um, really shitty. And we've all well, like, Scott, I'm sure you've encountered people as well. Oh, have you well, not encountered those people? <laughs> I feel like. I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I just think that people are doing it because they forget, but maybe they are shitty people. Now that I think about it could be. Yeah. And I don't even like, I don't want to write them off as shitty people. Like I think in a lot of cases it's because, you know, maybe they have, you know, they're projecting a little bit. They have a problem with drinking themselves. They don't want to drink alone or they, they want you to drink so that you can enable them uh, to have their alcohol problem, which I guess still makes them shitty because they're trying to get you to like go back on this very positive life. It makes them really shitty. Yourself, uh, <laughs> so that they can feel better. about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I've, I've encountered those people uh, in, in the workplace, in my circle of friends. If, if I go out, if I'm just like meeting new people for the first time, um, those people exist. You do not have to pay any minds to their opinion or the shit they're saying, let them believe what they want to believe. Uh, but, uh, you are better off for sticking to the decision you made. Yes. Did you have anything else you wanted to uh, to add? I think that's it. Um, yeah. Cool. Should we jump into uh, a recommendation? Yes. Oh my God. Do I have a recommendation this week? Uh, maybe. I, I don't uh, I got to think of one. You go first. All right. Uh, so recommendations this, this week, uh, I am going to recommend, uh, an app. Um, uh, the app is called, this is kind of on the note of like 
getting to to know yourself and and like yourself and appreciate yourself better. Uh, there's an app called Checking In. Um, it's it's recently launched, I believe. I know a, a local. Uh, it's been a local team that's worked on it. Uh, I myself was was involved, so <laughs> there. I have a uh, a vested interest in this. But the app is basically um, based on this uh, philosophy that a lot of like leadership coaches and stuff are using now. Uh, and you basically assign a numerical score to your energy level that day. So you rank your energy level on a score of one to ten, uh, and then you have a uh, a word that describes how how you're feeling or what you're thinking. Uh, that goes along with it. And this app, basically, super easy to use. You just check in, enter your energy level, enter how you're feeling. Uh, it tracks your your moods and your energy level over time. And it, it the biggest benefit of it uh, for me personally has been uh, I use this app and I just get... It, it makes me stop every day and just think, how am I feeling? What am I feeling like? Uh, which is something that I think even it sounds super simple, but before this app came along, I didn't ask myself those questions. Um, and I don't know how many people actually do take, take the time to like, just stop for a minute, look inward, uh, think about how you're feeling entered into the app. And then you can go back and like, look historically at, at how your energy levels have been feeling. Uh, you can add notes like, uh, if your dog died and you're feeling super shitty about that and you look back in a year and you're like, oh, why was I feeling really shitty that day? You could see that your dog died. Um, so just in, in my quest for greater self-awareness and knowing myself a little better, uh, this app has been a big benefit there. The app is called Checking In and it is available uh, in whatever app store you happen to use. Well, that sounds lovely. And I think I'm going to check that out. As you should. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not, uh, working on any apps at the moment, so I don't have any to recommend Derek. Um, I'm going to recommend a podcast though. This podcast is called 1619, uh, and it's from the New York times and it's about, uh, African American history in America, um, starting from the year 1619 when, one of the first ships carrying African slaves landed in Virginia. It is absolutely fantastic listening as a Canadian. We're not really thought about that part of American history. And I really feel like America is not taught about that part of American history uh, as well as it should be. And the first, I think there's been four episodes. Uh, yeah. Four episodes have been uh, just mind-boggling and and sad and uh it just it just puts into perspective the system of racial division that still exists in america today and sort of goes through the roots of how it got there and yeah i'm interested to see where it goes because so far it's been you know very heavy and sad and i don't think that there is a you know a happy ending to it we haven't seen it yet but uh it's definitely worth checking out i think it's fantastic 1619 on fine podcast servers everywhere sounds interesting how many how many episodes uh, into it are they four and you raise a great point because here in canada we we do not i mean we have our own uh, you know, systemic racism uh, and institutionalized racism, but uh, definitely not uh, on the the level that that America uh, um, has yeah. contended with. Um, and yeah, we are we are pretty removed. We're definitely not taught about it in in schools uh, as as much as we should. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely it's really checking good. that it's out. Really good. The episodes are uh, I don't know, like half an hour ish. So. It's a, it's a good. Oh, oh so as, as <laughs> yeah, four, okay. 40 minutes, but whatever. Yeah. I was going to say, as long as we wanted to make, to, to make these yeah. episodes, uh, and yet we are really good at rambling and not reining yeah. ourselves in. So we end up with, uh, Oh, look, we're, we're currently at 51 minutes. It's official. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Club Soda Club. Uh, I've been your 
uh, co-host Derek Bolin. You can follow me on uh, uh, follow me on Instagram on my sobriety account at van underscore. And uh, I'm Scott Graham. You can follow me everywhere on the internet at WFLBC, uh, or you can go to my website, which is digitalemulsions.com. Uh, and Jess, who is usually joining us and is frequently the voice of reason because Scott and I are both big, dumb idiots. Seconded. Uh, you could follow her at, uh, Jessica Jess, Art. what is it? Jessica could. Yeah. You're welcome. Art. Thank you. Uh, follow her at Jessica. And she said she was very sorry to our loyal listeners that she could not be here today. Uh, but she will be joining us for the next episode where we will dive into, uh, mommy. Also, I want to give culture. I, I want to, <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out to Jess and her YouTube channel. My daughter is an absolute super fan of chill, jamming, chill, jamming, chill gaming with Jess gaming. Jamie. That's Jess gaming. Uh, where she plays uh, Stardew Valley, uh, and my daughter, she was sick today, and she like binge watched every hour long episode. It was really adorable. That's amazing. Jess is gonna gonna love that, and uh, yeah, Jess Jess uh, promoted it last last episode of the podcast, so uh, it's good to know that she is founding a new loyal fan. Yeah, she's. Uh, I would call her a super fan. You know, I don't want to say like it's getting out of hand, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. This is why I told Jess she she had to have merch ready oh, yeah. to go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh Haley, Haley yeah, would we'd be, be we'd be up. we'd be loading up on the merch for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh Scott, is there any further business? Nope, I think we're done. All right. Meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. Disclaimer, nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need.